the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. In 2006, after building the best-selling franchise, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, with her husband Richard, author Christine Carlson faced a shattering loss, the sudden death of her beloved spouse. She came to understand intimately how our losses are our defining moments and that how we go through them shapes us. Christine's path offers a life-altering map for navigating the journey from loss to joy. She is the author of the book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. Thanks so much for having me. Christine, I love your book and I love this topic because like you, everything that I'm doing today was the result of tremendous loss. In a period of six months, my 23-year marriage ended, my mother died, and my sister died. And so I understand everything that you write about. And I'm really excited about this conversation because your story, my story, the story of so many others, they really illustrate that you can find joy and happiness on the other side of an experience that really does rock your world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a lot to go through in a short period of time. And, you know, I often hear that from people that, you know, they lose one family member, then they lose another. And, you know, it it's, it's, makes for a very difficult, difficult change and transition. But you're right. We can all return to joy if we do our healing work. And, most of the time, I think, and you probably find this too, that after we've gone through great loss, we actually, and we come out the other side, we're actually living better versions of ourselves because our lives take on such a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. I recently spoke with David Kessler, who worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on the grief model, and he is working on a Uh, another stage in the model, which he calls meaning, because he Mm -hmm. said when you go through tremendous loss and grief, most people try to make sense of it. They try to find meaning in their life from that. And your work, it's, it's the same thing. People, I meet so many people like you who take that pain and they take that loss and they transform it into something so meaningful and important. Yeah. Oftentimes you hear people say that everything happens for a reason. And I, I kind of have a different take on that. I think that everything happens and we find the reason why it happens. And that's mm-hmm. how we find meaning and that's how we process, you know, that we we need to um, grow. I think our souls came here to grow and, you know, oftentimes it's our losses. It's the difficult things in life that really um, shine the light on our growth and really, you know, forces us to do our inner work and and I think that's the great benefit. It's not anything that any of us ask for, but certainly it's something that we all will go through in our lifetimes. We will all um, have major changes and transitions and also major losses in our lifetime. Tell us about Richard and what your relationship was like. Well, Richard was as you would have suspected him to be. He um, was a very light human being, um, very lighthearted a really happy guy. I think he had a um, high level of innate happiness he was born with, and he knew from a very early age that he was 
going to probably write and teach the world something about happiness. Some of the early stories of his life are when he was 11 years old, he named his dog Happy. And he was a really great tennis player, um, slated number one at Pepperdine when I met him in college. And he used to read Wayne Dyer and used to read um, different psychology books in order to get an edge on his own competitive nature. But then he found that he was so intrigued and he was so intrigued with the prospect of psychology and personal growth that um, he found that he was a healer and he started a career as a rolfer, which is a bodywork therapist, and then got his master's and PhD in psychology. And then we studied a very, um, very early form of what would be considered maybe kind of on the lines of positive psychology. Richard was a pioneer of his time. He was one of the very first um, psychologists and authors to look at the human being as being a positive um, person overall, that our mental state and well-being is something that we can access and that sometimes we get off kilter. But he didn't look at, um, he didn't really believe in traditional therapy in the sense of that it was super valuable to continue to hash up your past. I mean, he thought that, you know, certainly looking at your past in order to move forward um, was valuable, but, but not to sit and talk about your problems and commiserate about your problems. So he would have been one of the early authors to talk about some principles that really pointed to mental health and well-being, like how our thoughts matter and how we live in separate realities and how our moods matter to our experience of life and how present moment living is really the key to happiness. These are the kinds of things that he was um, talking about, you know, 25, 30 years ago, which were relatively new to psychology, but are now, of course, commonplace. So in a nutshell, you know, Richard and I had a really amazing life together. We had a really wonderful marriage. Uh, we um, have two daughters, and they are now grown, but at the time of his death, they were just 14 and 17. And so it was a very difficult time um, for our family, you know, he was only 45, I was 43. We we're really at a peak experience of our lives when he um, died of a pulmonary embolism on a flight uh, to New York. So before that moment, we thought he was relatively healthy. You know, we had no idea that he was really struggling with his health at that point. So it was quite a shock. Christine, what was it like for you after you lost him? Well, I mean, you can all imagine, I mean, my life was shattered um, at the news that my husband had died on a flight. I mean, I it was a complete shock. Um, I call that, you know, your initiation by crisis. It was certainly my initiation. And I say initiation because, you know, I, I sort of chose the a very um, loose depiction of the hero's journey in my books to talk about healing because we often find ourselves living on one timeline and then suddenly something happens it shatters our world as we know it and it sends us on a totally new trajectory in life and certainly that's what um, Richard's death did for my daughters and I we you know we're living our lives it was busy it was a busy time with two girls in high school and sports and you know doing full-time career Richard was I was full-time mom and you know, holding space for him. So even though I had written with him, I had written Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love and Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women, I wasn't in full ownership of my career as an author because I was in full swing of what it meant to be, you know, the main person in our home, um, you know, managing home for my family and for my husband. So my life and my daughter's life shattered. It really did. And, you know, at that point, I did my very, very best to hold their space so that they could grieve healthily while going through tremendous grief myself. And, you know, it took us a couple of years to get our feet on the ground. It wasn't like an instantaneous, um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to suddenly just move through this and be happy. It wasn't like that. It was a lot of tears and a lot of um, deeper understanding of, of what it means to be human and what it means to allow your soul to... Um, go from being wounded to healed. And that was really my journey. That was really my daughter's journey as well. What do you think was your turning point when you decided that you didn't want to go down that path? I, I know for me, I was really going into a dark hole. I was going into a, a really dark place. And 
I knew that I needed to pull myself out for my children, my two sons, and I knew that I didn't want to live my life in, in that way any longer. And I think that while it's it's not an immediate choice, I, I do think that there is a choice that you make when you say, I'm not going to be that victim or yeah. live this way. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I think that we all go down that road to some degree, you know, when we first um, have a life-shattering loss. And, you know, I, I decided pretty early on because of the background that I had in, you know, with my work with Richard and just all the tools. I've done a lot of personal growth work in my lifetime already, and I I decided really early on I could see myself um, doing this loss two ways. And one would be I would pull the covers up over my head and I would just disappear, you know, down the dark hole. Or I would pull the covers off every day and put my feet over the side of the bed and stand. And it was really getting up and knowing that I had been really blessed um, in life that I knew I'd had great love. I wasn't at the early stages of grief grateful for that great love because I was experiencing such pain in the loss of it. But I knew that I had been blessed. I knew that the best way that I could honor my life with Richard and honor him was to stand up and move and keep going for my daughters and, you know, keep moving into life and keep allowing my grief to heal me. You know, I didn't really think of grief as the enemy. I thought of this time period is very fertile ground for growth, and I knew it was. And I thought of grief as an emotional response to loss that came to heal me and to allow my tears to flow and allow, you know, I started to realize, I don't know if you felt this too, but I had really spent very little time in my adult life crying, very little time. And, and yet I had a lot of tears that I couldn't identify. Of course, they were from the loss of my husband, but I also felt like grief was kind of the great house cleaner. It sort of just went in, and as I allowed more of it to show up, I just felt renewed. And I felt like every tear that I was shedding was somehow um, lifting my spirit higher, allowing myself to become more of who I was. And, you know, this is all pretty astounding. It's all part of post-traumatic growth, you know, that we go through when we have a a really big shock and I like to think of it as an awakening, something that really awakens our heart to a deeper meaning in life, to a deeper expression of our soul, to maybe even our authentic expression, you know, if you will, that we become more of who we are um, when we're not holding life so tightly, when we realize that life is imperfect, but that there's a perfect design somehow for what we're going through. And you know, these are all things that I felt really compelled to share and from Heartbreak to Wholeness because, you know, I mean, it's it's a tough journey, as you know, Joan, to go through loss, but it, it, there's something really positive that comes out the other side. You know, I just don't want people to miss that possibility. I agree with you, Christine, because the work that I'm doing right now is the result of that loss. I would not be doing this work. I would have not created this brand. I would not be speaking with you had I not gone through all of that. And the other thing that that I agree with you on is allowing yourself to feel, to cry. So many yeah. people feel that they need to hold their feelings in or, or not not give themselves permission to feel what they're feeling. I, I cried. Sometimes I still cry. And, and I allow myself to do that because it is cleansing. I, I agree with you. And that would be my advice to someone who's going through pain and heartbreak right now. What would you say to someone who's in the middle of loss, someone who's suffering? I would say exactly the same thing. I would say that, you know, being stoic and being, you know, strong in that sense of not crying is only going to hurt you. It's gonna, it's not going to make you strong. It's going to weaken other aspects of you somehow, your health possibly or other other things. So I, I think that, yeah, you're right. You know, the best thing that you can do is just give yourself some time and space to heal, as much time and space as possible. And that might not mean that you get time off from work. So it might mean that you go quieter on the weekends. You know, you give yourself time in nature. You take long, warm, hot baths. You do soothing self-care, you know, do the things that allow yourself 
to feel your feelings, you know, busying it up and partaking in more to do busyness isn't always the answer. In fact, I would say it's never the answer when you're in grief. I would say that spending some time in stillness, you know, allowing yourself to um, maybe even shake if you need to, you know, I, I don't know how I knew this, but I would lay on the ground and I would let my arms just fly open in my legs and I would just allow my body to shake until I would cry and and then I would, you know, be in horrible pain, and then the next moment I'd be in bliss. So one thing, you know, is listen to your body, too. Your body has a way of teaching you, you know, when you're not feeling enough. By You can ask your body, where are you feeling your pain? You know, I felt mine in my stomach. You know, my stomach would hurt. And if my stomach was hurting, I knew I wasn't crying enough because as soon as I laid down or I sat down and I cried, what it would happen, my stomach would feel better. So, mm-hmm. you know, just you get these body clues. You know, you're, you're, you know how to do this as a human being. We're wired this way. We're wired to heal. But we have to give ourselves time to heal and space to heal and, and the right conditions to heal. So those are the things that I would suggest if you are in heartbreak of any kind. You know, a lot of people are experiencing heartbreak and loss over some, you know, natural disaster that's befallen them or their family members. So there's all sorts of reasons why we go through loss in our lifetime. and But we also need to heal those losses too, not the ones that are just from death or not just, but from death mm-hmm. or dying, but the ones that are even the more invisible losses that we, we have happen in our lives. So, yeah, time and space. Allow yourself, you know, plenty of time in nature and self-care really good self-care. Christine, your book is about making the hero's journey to joy after heartbreak. And I love that you chose the word hero. What does it take to be a hero? What what made you choose that word? You know, um, that's a great question. And again, it goes back to that earlier um, comment that you made, Joan, about um, deciding not to be the victim. You know, that I really identified that that was the one huge pivot that somebody could make um, on the hero's journey was to not become a victim of their circumstances. And I just want to caveat that by saying this is not to say that your circumstances that you may be presented with are not negative or hard circumstances. That's not what I mean. It's about being able to embrace what is, knowing that this has already happened, not living in the past so much so that you can't move forward on your journey. You know, moving forward um, and stepping forward doesn't always mean moving on. You know, we don't move on from people we lose. We carry them forward. And the hero embraces the journey no matter what. The hero stands in the journey and says, you know, I don't necessarily like that this happened. I don't, I'm not happy about it. But I am going to step forward with courage. I am going to step forward and be brave I am going to move into my life in a way that is, you know, somehow stepping into it as opposed to resisting it. These are all aspects of what I define as being the hero or the heroine. I mean, I chose hero because, you know, you'll find women will respond to the word hero better than men will respond to the word heroine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and Christina, as you were talking, I just kept thinking that it's so important to have a conversation like this because Mm -hmm. it shows people who are in pain. I mean, I remember when I was going through it, I was so inspired by the stories of people that gave me hope, that, that showed me that it's not going to be this way forever. And and I think that it's so important that we're talking about this and yeah. and that you're sharing this. Oh, yeah, because, you know, I, I found that um, for me, first of all, I found that when I wrote the first book that I ever did on loss was called Heartbroken Open, a memoir through loss to self-discovery. I found that to be so healing to just share my story and share my journey and then I held heartbroken open circles in my home, and I had all these widows that were in their 40s coming to my house from all over the Bay Area and divorced, divorcees, people, you know, had gone through great loss and their divorces coming to my house. 
And what I found was that there was such power and strength and hope and encouragement and healing as we share our story. And at the back of each chapter of From Heartbreak to Wholeness, I have a, um, a soul inquiry. It's, it's a, really the questions that I hope to lead each person on their own hero's journey through, and then a writing process. So I find that if you can sit down and process your story and write it from the hero's perspective, then you'll be well on your way to healing from that perspective and stepping into your life in a very heroic way. And, you know, this is something that it doesn't matter what other people think of your story or anything. What matters is that you tell the story, your, what, what stories we tell ourselves. So if we tell ourselves a story that promotes us as the hero, then we step into our life with courage and a lot of hope and knowing that we're stronger from what's happened. And, you know, I, I just, that's what I find has been so healing and so helpful is for people to be able to share their story. And even if it's just with one person or their family, you know, just to be able to tell their story is incredibly healing. The book is From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy by Christine Carlson. If you'd like to get more information about Christine or her work, you can visit from heartbreaktowholeness.com. Christine, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I'd like to just tell all of you that, you know, my whole thing, the thing that really saved me in, in losing my beloved and moving into my life in a way where I wake up every day just feeling tremendous joy and and it's such a it's such an inner joy. It's not something that's happening because of outside circumstances. It's I just feel alive and joyful. And what I would love to say to anyone is that there's always hope. There's always hope in this life and that life in and of itself is a journey that we are on a human journey and that's why we're here, and the more you embrace that journey, the more you love that journey for what it is, the happier you'll be, and the more joy you'll return to, the more joy you'll experience. And I really believe that we're here to experience really true and lasting joy. And yes, there's suffering on the journey, too. And I hope that my book helps you in those suffering moments and gives you the encouragement and inspiration you need. And I just want to thank you, Joan, for the work that you're doing for the world, how beautiful what you've done to turn your heartbreak into something so powerful. So thank you. Thank you, Christina. And, and thank you for joining us and for sharing such a powerful story of hope. As I said, these are really important conversations that must be had. And your work and in everything that you're doing is, is just a testament that we can move through any challenge that we have in life and come out, as you say, in wholeness. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. to live a happy, 
great productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, certified transition coach, reinvention expert and speaker who empowers people that are stuck, overwhelmed, or ready for change to release the struggle, gain clarity, and evolve to their highest purpose as they move through life's challenges and transitions. Linda is here today to discuss listening to your body's wisdom for better decision making. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Joan. Linda, we're learning more and more about the importance of tuning into our body. Can you tell us more about the major body wisdom areas? Yes. So our bodies hold so much innate wisdom and intelligence. They're more than just a physical structure, right? I believe the body knows best. And the main wisdom areas are the heart, the gut, the skin, the pelvis, the bones, and the legs and feet, and of course, the brain. There are many, many more, but those are the major ones. The brain, of course, is the integrator and analyzer of all other body wisdom information. And it's key, but consulting the brain alone is, is kind of woefully incomplete. So I'm here to tell people to consult the whole body, not just the brain, especially when making important decisions. How does paying attention to these wisdom areas translate to better decision making? Well, I think we've all had the experience of using critical thinking when trying to make an important decision, doing research, listing pros and cons, strategizing, right? And after all that, sometimes still feeling unsure, undecided, and sometimes even more confused, right? So here's where the body's wisdom areas really shine. The wisdom of the heart will always lead us down the right path if we listen. Allow yourself to get quiet and ask your heart what whispers of wisdom it has for you. Your first inspiration is almost always best because it comes without influence from the linear thinking brain. The heart guides us on what's really in alignment with our true soul, purpose, and desire. It's our inspiration station. The gut is like a second brain. We've all heard of the gut instinct. But here's the critical piece, Joan. Be sure you're not tuning into old feelings, beliefs, or memories. Tune into present moment data that's not emotionally charged for clear, accurate information. One of the best ways to kick the habit of second-guessing yourself is to pay attention to your gut instincts because they always give us spot-on clues. Another key wisdom area is the skin. It's our largest organ and constantly provides clues for good decision-making. You ever get chills when a good idea is affirmed or feel uncomfortable charge shooting through your body when something's off? Temperature, vibration, and texture are just some of the ways our skin communicates through sensation. Then there's the wisdom we glean from our bones. This is an unfamiliar one to many people, but they provide stability, clarity, and steadiness. They're like the scaffolding of the body. So dropping deep into the awareness of the bones allows you to explore what's pulling you off center. The bones represent the core of who you are and what you need. So we drop into the sturdiness of our bones to find clarity in our decision. And when we need to digest a lot of divergent information, it's really wise to get your legs involved. Ever get stuck on a project, decide you want to take a break and go for a walk? I think we've all done that. And it's Mm -hmm. brilliant. Yeah, because that's movement. Walking and swinging our arms, that allows us to better catalyze information by activating both the left and right hemispheres of the brain. It's really no coincidence that an infant's nervous system, their motor skills, and the ability to interpret information just explodes after they learn to crawl because that action, like walking, creates balanced brain thinking. And then, of course, there's the brain, whose gift is linear thinking. And in our culture, it's the queen of the body. It's used to usurping all other body area wisdom. But instead, I say listen to all the information your body has to offer. And once we've listened to each area, we can then use the brain to integrate and analyze it all for good decision making. So, Linda, you just explained the why, but let's talk about the how. How do we do this? How do we learn to tune in? Yeah, so um, I do teach this in a workshop, but here's a great way to start. Just simply pause. Take three deep cleansing breaths. This helps us get out of our heads and into our bodies. When we get quiet, we can get present in the body. That's where we find our answers. It's easier to notice what you're feeling and sensing. Intentionally ask each of your body's wisdom areas. Listen to what you're feeling. Here's one way to settle in and listen. If you're trying to decide between option A and option B, imagine you've chosen option A and ask your whole body area by area what it feels. Tune in and notice, does your gut feel good or does it feel kind of nervous? What is your skin doing? 
Does your heart feel happy or are you sensing some sadness or resistance? Go for a walk and when you come back, see what else your body tells you. Then switch to thinking about option B and do the same thing. Notice the differences. Staying present in your body and tuning into that incredible resource and wisdom that it offers will move you from struggling with decisions to confidently arriving at the decision that best suits you. Because in today's challenges, uncertainty, and fear-mongering, it's really essential to integrate guidance from each wisdom area of the body for optimal decision-making and to create clear and creative solutions. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Linda or about her work or any of her programs, you can visit livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. We'll be right back. This is WNYF, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Today's guest, Mike Dooley, teaches that to bring change into your life, you must simply ask and show up. Living deliberately and creating consciously does not come from focusing on the hows, but upon your desired end results. Mike is best known for his notes from the universe and his New York Times bestsellers, Infinite Possibilities and Leveraging the Universe. Mike was one of the featured teachers in The Secret. His new book is The Complete Notes from the Universe. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Joan. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, you teach that in order to achieve what we want, we must stop focusing on the hows and shift our thoughts to the desired end results. Now, most of us worry about the how-to. So why is that the wrong approach? Well, I, I like to share that we are living in very primitive times, Joan, spiritually speaking. And we, being of God, by God, pure God, not a God of religion, but of source energy, whatever you have it, um, we have at our disposal superpowers, if you will, to literally rearrange the circumstances and the players of our life through thought and intention followed by action. Yet, not knowing this, Joan, we use our physical senses alone as if they were the end-all, be-all in defining who we are and strategizing an approach to make stuff happen in our lives. But our physical senses are completely blind to life's magic, um, completely blind to the power of the divine to orchestrate seven and a half billion journeys simultaneously on the fly. And so... By relying on our physical senses, not knowing how blinded we are, we think, you know, with the law of attraction, I'm going to focus on this red car and Trixie's going to fall in love with me and um, I'm going to get the right editor and the right publisher and my book will be a bestseller and Oprah will love it and Joan will interview me and I'll live happily ever after. But every time we stake our claim with regards to micromanaging our progress, which is what we're doing, we unwittingly slam shut the door on all other means through which divine intelligence and life's magic could have reached us, which is catastrophic to say the very least. There's always another way. There's always a better way. There's always a quicker way than our limited, feeble brains could ever figure out. And I, and I worship humanity. I worship our brains and the magnificent miracle of our bodies. But we are so much more than this. What we have to do is to define the end result, a life of joy, wealth and abundance, friends and laughter, health and harmony, and then show up moving in the direction of a life of joy and allow the right person to show up on our path, allow the inspiration to be assimilated, allow spirit to move through us so that we can write that story or deliver that speech or create that company that's in harmony with all else that we think, 60,000 thoughts a day, and all else that everyone else is thinking, leaving the door open for the house to present themselves. So long as we're showing up, showing up, showing up physically with baby steps every day, we will receive. So it's really a matter then of not being so attached to the outcome 
Uh, yes, but words slip and fail. Um, I, I could parse that another way. It would seem totally contradictory. Attach to the outcome. Insist on nothing less. But the caveat being, let your outcomes be broad brush, like wealth and abundance. Great outcome, not a million dollars by year end. Friends and laughter and, and you know, a, a travel companion, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, not Trixie or Bruno must fall in love with me and respect me like I respect them. You know, as soon as you in, attach to your idea of how, and that's what most people's end results are, mm -hmm. how their dream will come true, then the advice is, as you said, um, surrender to the outcome because your outcomes are compromised. You're micromanaging. The workaround that I teach through my notes from the universe and all else that I do is to let your end results be broad brush. Know what your priorities are. Settle for nothing less than your cup running over, but leave room for divine intelligence. Leave room for surprises. You want a great romantic love life? You can't say who it's going to be. You know, and we're not taking anyone off the table. We're leaving that to divine intelligence to match our vibration to the perfect partner's vibration for a truly authentic, amazing relationship. You can't manipulate other people with your thoughts. The same thing for business, the same thing for fulfillment, the same thing for health and recovery and whatever your heart desires. Paint a broad brush picture, leaving room for the universe to surprise you, and then move in the direction of those dreams, write the book, go on the dates, um, you know, follow your intuition, seek healers, whatever it is that you want transformed in your life. You have to show up. Thereby, the magic and the surprises can then be orchestrated and fall into your lap. Like you mentioned the pandemic a, a few moments ago, and we're living through challenging times right now. You can feel the pain. How can oh, everything yeah. that you're describing play into what we're going through in life right now? Well, just as an individual's thoughts become things. I mean, that's the end-all, be-all. There's no other mitigating factors. We are nonstop streaming creators based on our thoughts, our beliefs, our intentions, etc. Um, so does a collective civilization create uh, the fortunes and misfortunes, supposedly, seemingly, that befall it. We're all creating individually and collectively. And just as when an individual has scrambled thoughts that contradict one another, you know, I want wealth and abundance, but no, that's greedy, and I need to be selfless and put the needs of others before my own. But there's enough for everyone, and we live in a holographic universe where thoughts become things. But if I lose sight of, you know, whatever, whatever, by chasing after the dollars, my whole life will... This kind of inner turmoil brought about by confusion, brought about by misunderstanding life's simple truths, will create unintended manifestations, will create disappointments, will create chaos in our lives. You'll have money, you'll lose it, you'll make it, you'll drop it, you'll whatever. It's not going to be a consistent thing because you're not being consistent. And collectively, it's the same. If we think, hey, we're all brothers and sisters and we're all in this together, but then we align with behavior or thoughts or policies or politics that deny people equal rights and deny, you know, the same possibilities for one and all, then we've got confusion that will lead to chaos, that will lead to a sickness, just like, you know, confused thoughts will bring about any kind of an ailment biologically. So will a society's confused thoughts bring about chaos in the world vis-a-vis -vis things like a pandemic, which is simply a wake-up call. You're missing something. You're not seeing the total truth. There is this confusion. And so we've got some hiccups now. We've got a pandemic right now. And it's the beginning of a healing, not the beginning of a sickness. So when we put it all into context and we realize that we are not vulnerable and we realize that we are, if you will, of God, by God, pure God, radiant beings here by choice, and that as a collective, we've got some priorities out of whack, you know, and we want a green planet, but then we, you know, do things contrary to that and support companies or organizations that are contrary to a green planet, we're going to have these ricochets, backfires, etc. until 
through the chaos, we re-examine our premise and re-examine our underlying beliefs and values to bring about a proper healing. And so right now we're in the beginning of a healing. The sickness was there all along. It just got so out of hand, it's showing up just like in the physical body. And now we all have indisputably, like it or not, since about March, at least for the Western part of the world, have had this opportunity through lockdowns and the like to go within, to reflect, to consider, was I on the right path? And, and those questions are being answered right now, and a lot of people are paying attention, and some people are in denial. But the, the purpose is being served. It's not, a, it's not a retribution. It's not judgment. It's just wonky thinking brings about wonky living. Until you have had enough of the wonky living, you will reflect and reprioritize and begin living at a higher plane. And so we're witnessing this right now. There's still room for happiness. There's still room for joy. I'm not denying pain and suffering all over the world. Um, And in quarters that I am familiar with, with people I know dearly, but it's kind of like, I guess, medicine for the soul, um, which is not to say anybody deserves the hard time they're going through. That, That takes everything out of context. But um, we're all growing and we're all learning from this. And I think, Mike, when things seem so out of control, it forces us to release what we're trying to control and open ourselves up to the infinite possibilities that you spoke about. Totally, exactly, exactly the case. It's, it's as if, and we shouldn't be surprised, life is otherwise so extraordinarily perfect and like it's like it's the perfect medicine at the perfect time that just it's like self-healing it's like this whole planet is self-healing our bodies are self-healing our psyches are self-healing when there's an imbalance um something will happen to to draw our attention to it and we fix it and we live better than we ever lived before and this is exactly what's happening right now it's it's astounding and it's beautiful and and uh, I guess the one thing that I would most want people to understand is that, you know, this is not happening to us. This is happening, if you will, for us. And we can use this time to realign, to find joy in simpler things, um, you know, whether it's being at home more, being in your garden more, reading books more, and everything's going to be okay. We're eternal beings, and this is part of the adventure. The book is The Complete Notes from the Universe. If you'd like to get more information about Mike and his work, you can visit tut.com. That's T-U-T dot com. Mike, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, That life is an adventure to be loved and adored, um, to have fun and to play. We are the metaphorical otters of the universe. It is not a place where we have come to be judged and condemned. Everyone's doing their best. Everyone's making mistakes. We're all moving closer to the light. Have some fun. Enjoy it. And and hence, the notes from the universe are all about that. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, Joan. Thank you for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You were born with one of the most powerful tools for self-healing. You carry it with you at all times, and you probably already know how to use it. This superb healing mechanism is your voice. Hi, I'm Allison Ayati, owner of Awaken Sound Health. If you have ever held a fussy child, then you already know that humming can be used to soothe. But did you know that humming is an effective means to improve your overall health? Using various humming techniques, you can reduce your blood pressure and heart rate. You can also increase nitric oxide levels, which in turn enhances your immune system, cardiovascular system, and respiratory system. And through humming that stimulates certain endocrine glands, you can increase melatonin levels for better sleep, stimulate the release of endorphins, which produces feelings of elation, and stimulate the release of oxytocin, the relaxation hormone. For centuries, yogis have practiced brahmri pranayama, which means humming breath. The use of the humming breath is said to boost metabolism, balance hormones, relieve migraines, improve nervous system function, and so much more. 
Humming may be the purest form of the most natural medicine available to you. Why not give it a try? It may surprise you that it takes just five minutes of focused humming to begin to reap its benefits. If you want to learn more about the benefits of humming, read The Humming Effect by Jonathan Goldman. And to learn more about sound therapy, go to awakensoundhealth.com. Sound therapy is not a replacement for medical or psychological intervention. Lower your expectations to lower your stress level. Hi, this is Angela Vlakonchik, and I'm a stress management specialist from Bridge Management Consulting, offering teachable stress management skills. One definition of stress calls it the difference between what you want or expect to happen and what is actually happening right now. You may have thoughts about what you would like to happen in a certain situation, how you would like your friends and family to act. Maybe you even voice that opinion to your child saying, please don't go out with Chris anymore. You know that person isn't good for you. But when you continue to think about how this event isn't working out the way you think it should, you are creating your very own stress event. It's how you think about a situation that produces the stress response. It's because you want it to be a certain way and it's not. The solution? Lower your expectations. Or better yet, be mindful and don't have any expectations. Have an open mind and don't judge situations negatively if it doesn't result in your desired outcome. You can have preferences, but don't be tied to them occurring in order to be happy and calm. Expect nothing, accept everything. Or as the Buddha said, peace is the death of expectations. For more information on stress relief coaching or webinars, please visit bridgemanagementconsulting.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. to your health. Joining me is Dr. Michael Roizen, co-founder and originator of RealAge.com. He's the author of the book, This Is Your Do-Over, Seven Secrets to Losing Weight, Living Longer, and Getting a Second Chance at the Life You Want. He's here today to discuss how we can reverse mistakes, optimize health, and live a life filled with energy and joy. Welcome, Dr. Roizen. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, it's my privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Doctor, you're a leader in helping people turn their health around. What can the average person expect from following your plan? Well, it depends where the typical person is when they start. But basically, what you do is you get to reverse or stop or at least prevent the development of chronic diseases that would likely come later if you continued behaviors. And we know that just doing some of the simple things, such as walking 10,000 steps a day, we know that avoiding tobacco or, in fact, getting off of tobacco is possible for probably 90-some percent of people on tobacco. And we know from some really, really good data that you can actually pull plaque out of your coronary arteries or even out of your arteries going elsewhere to reverse atherosclerosis. So what we know for sure is that you can get a do-over, feel more energy, look younger, and have more vigor and enjoyment of life. Regarding nutrition, you say that there are five food felons that we must avoid. What are they and how can we tell if they're in our food products? Well, the five food felons are simple sugars, that is added sugar, simple syrups, added syrups, and honey and maple syrup, much as they taste great, are simple syrups, and as is high fructose corn syrup, and then simple or what we call stripped carbohydrates, carbohydrates that aren't whole grain. The fourth is trans fat, and the fifth is foods with saturated fat. And we've learned an awful lot about why foods with saturated fat are bad. It is the red meat and egg yolks aren't bad because of the cholesterol effects 
and you look at our writing, it never has been. We've never known really why they're bad, but they're bad because they cause inflammation. They change the bacteria inside your gut to cause you inflammation. Doctor, before we run out of time, I want to touch upon the last two strategies that you offer. And these are the importance of intimate relationships and finding our passion in life. What is the science behind these two areas? The key in these areas is to find something you love doing so that you're revved and excited and enjoy life. And we don't know why giving back and why, if you will, being a buddy to others is so good for your health, but it is. And we don't know whether it is just that it it helps you manage uh, or your brain manage all those daily events that would otherwise be stressful because you're feeling good about something, but giving back, saying thank you, finding a passion, all of those things are what drive us to higher performance, but they're also what drive us to better health. Finding a passion in life seems to be an extra benefit, and it's a really big benefit on how long and well you live and how well you're able to reverse or prevent disease. The book is This Is Your Do-Over, Seven Secrets to Losing Weight, Living Longer, and Getting a Second Chance at the Life You Want by Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Roizen, thank you so much for being here with us. And I hope that our listeners will heed your advice and join me in taking back our health. So thank you so much for being here. Joan, thank you. It's a privilege meeting you. Thank you, Joan. Less than 2% of America's population volunteers to defend our nation. Though we rarely see them, we live the benefits of these heroes' sacrifices and the freedom we know and the safety we feel. Each and every day, the Gary Sinise Foundation serves our nation by honoring our defenders, veterans, first responders, and their families. We do this by creating and supporting unique programs designed to entertain, educate, inspire, strengthen, and build communities. The Gary Sinise Foundation has grown because the need has never been greater. Together, we'll improve the lives of thousands of American heroes and their families day in, day out, all year long. While we can never do enough to show our gratitude to our nation's defenders, our veterans, our first responders, and the families who stand by them, we can always do a little more. Join us. Visit GarySiniseFoundation.org. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.